Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Dr. Nathan Bryan, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America closing out the year. I thought we would come back to an old friend who well, you must be an old friend because I didn't pay you to wear that cap. Dr. Nathan <laughs> Bryan joining us from a undisclosed location on a rural route in Texas. How are you? That's right. I'm great. You got me up before the rooster crows, so I had to drive to town to get internet. So uh, Dr. Nathan Bryan has joined us for, I don't know, what do you think it's been? For 12, 14 years probably. When were you in Chicago? What year was that? That was probably in 2000 and. Six or 2007. <clears throat> yeah, 14 years ago, <clears throat> plus a little. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it reminds me that you were talking about cured meats that day and you caught my attention with bacon. Did you know that they claim today is National Bacon Day? Really? What a coincidence. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> And you were talking about nitric and nitric nitric oxide. Apparently, I should have got up earlier. And um, and everything related to health about nitrates, nitrates, and people just don't get it. And I clearly remember when I'm sitting in the audience listening to you speak that day. You said that over eighty percent of all nitrates and people's diet come from the leafy greens, the cured meats barely on the scale, and yet everybody wings out about that. How have we done in educating the people about proper nutrition in our tenure of 15 years, Dr. Brian? Well, I think we've come a long way. Um, You know, now there's people out there marketing nitrate-enriched food products and dietary supplements. So, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, when we met, people were trying to eliminate it, the trying to get, um, you know, nitrite, nitrate out of cured meat products because of the so-called nitrosamine and cancer risk. And today we're finding out it's an indispensable nutrient and most Americans are deficient in it. And so we're trying, we're supplementing it. So I'd say that's a complete 180. Um, and I could go back probably 10 years and find you, find you and I talking about the day would come when people would start marketing <laughs> nitrate enhanced foods. No doubt. Well, we're here. Uh, we're here, but how much stigma is there about the old way of thinking? It's still prevalent. It is. You know, there's there's some people that are really hard to reach that but <clears throat> ignore the science. Uh, and the science clearly states and reveals that if you don't get enough nitrate and nitrite from your diet, that you're at an increased risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, exercise intolerance, erectile dysfunction, and if you replete that and eat a plant-based diet, in fact, this is the mechanism of action of a plant-based diet, a Mediterranean diet, the dietary approaches to stop hypertension. It's all due to the nitrate and nitrite content in your diet. Mm-hmm. So that's now uh, in, the, in the scientific literature. So just in a nutshell, because you and I have rehashed this so many times, but we always, believe it or not, I get like two, three new people every year listening. So uh, in a nutshell, Nitric oxide is important with all of those things you just described. Why? What's it do? Well, nitric oxide is what we call a signaling molecule. It's how cells in the body communicate with one another. Um, It tells our blood vessels to dilate and open and increase blood flow and oxygen delivery. 
it actually is responsible for the delivery of oxygen to every single cell in the body. Um, so it regulates blood flow. And so, for instance, when you begin get up and walk, mm -hmm. uh, you increase blood flow to your skeletal muscles and to your heart. When you're trying to think, um, you know, did I turn, did I press start on the computer earlier? You have to increase blood flow to certain regions of the brain to recall that memory. And when you lose the regulation of blood flow, uh, bad things happen. You get dementia, you get heart disease, you get high blood pressure, you get diabetes. Um, and all that, all those are symptoms of insufficient nitric oxide production. And now we know that nitrate and nitrite can actually be used to make nitric oxide and replete our own nitric oxide production in the body. I don't know why, but strangely enough, when you're walking through that, I had the vision of sitting on your leg too long in one position and it goes what we call to sleep. What's, right. what, what's chemically happening there? Well, you're occluding, you're physically occluding the blood vessel by that pressure. Uh -huh. So you're getting what's called no flow ischemia. You're getting no blood flow to <clears throat> downstream of, of wherever you're applying that pressure. It's similar to applying a tourniquet. So you're actually stopping the blood flow. And then when you get up or release that tourniquet, then the body generally generates a lot of nitric oxide and it basically perfuses and delivers a lot of blood and oxygen quickly to those tissues that were previously starved of blood and oxygen. And it doesn't take long, apparently. No, I mean, you can actually measure that clinically because the the, rat, the rate at which you can increase blood flow mm -hmm. is dependent upon nitric oxide production, which tells us how healthy your blood vessels are. What was that term again? I want to get that as a, a regular use in my head. No flow ischemia? No flow ischemia, right. So ischemia, is that what? It's lack of blood flow. It's ischemia. Okay. There's no, there's no oxygen, no blood flow to that tissue. That's what happens in a heart attack. That's what happens in a stroke. That's what happens when you apply a tourniquet. You're, you're basically providing ischemia to that tissue. And that's a bad thing. We need blood uh, flow. Apparently, that's what happens when people go in voting booths, too. There's no flow ischemia. Certain people, yes. <laughs> we won't dive into that too far on National Bacon Day. But, uh, you know, it seems to be an, uh, an urban problem. It doesn't happen in rural America. If you look at the heat map, uh, it only happens in big cities. Actually, it only happens in six counties. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no flow ischemia. I'm so stealing that. I think I'm going to use that term at least once a day for a long time. <laughs> It'll increase your IQ by at least a couple <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what can I do to increase it like a dozen points? That would be really good. <laughs> uh, have a little nitric oxide. There you go. Yeah. Well, I've been taking nitric oxide or uh, Neo 40 as long as I've met you. And I haven't, well, I've missed a day when my supply runs out and your warehouse can't keep up with the demand. But uh, so we can do a couple of things. We can uh, modify our diet to increase foods rich in uh, nitrate or, and I should say, and you can take a dietary supplement. So what what is your across the board recommendation for getting that to getting rid of that no flow ischemia. Well, you know, everybody's different. And so it's hard to apply a one size fits all because, you know, if you eat your green leafy vegetables, but you're using mouthwash, you're never going to get a nitric oxide benefit from that. If you're using antacids, you're never going to get a nitric oxide benefit from changing your diet. So what we recommend is if, you know, we've created technology that if your body can't make nitric oxide, we do it for you. And so you can guarantee that every time you put that lozenge in your mouth, you're getting a source of nitric oxide gas. 
to prevent that no flow ischemia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, and I guess right here in the first segment, I'm just going to get to the real question I wanted to ask you today. Every place you go, they have hand sanitizer. They they want to bathe you in hand sanitizer about every three minutes and protection of some virus. And I'm thinking, how disruptive is this, not only to my no-flow ischemia, how disruptive is this to my entire biome and my resistance to antibacterial agents? What, what is this doing to the society? Anything when we bathe in uh, hand sanitizer every three minutes? Yeah, Trent, it's actually making the whole situation worse. And scientifically, it makes zero sense. You know, the, the bacteria that live in and on our body outnumber our own cells by 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. So when you're eradicating the bacteria in and on our body, you're basically eliminating an essential metabolic process or contribution to our overall health. Um, so, you know, we've known this for 40 or 50 years. There's a hygiene hypothesis of chronic disease. People in rural America are healthier than urban America because we're exposed to um, you know, ammonia oxidizing bacteria in the soil. We're exposed to different bugs on, and bacteria on livestock. And so we develop what's called herd immunity. That's the only way we keep our body healthy. And if we eradicate using antiseptic mouthwash and antibacterial lotions and soaps and antibiotics, then we put our health at risk. And, and we're creating these things as a norm for people. And they don't even know what's being ha- what's happening to them. Yeah, I think we're being taken for a ride. If I'm honest, it's just it, it makes no mm-hmm. sense. I've been in in biochemistry and physiology and, and biomedical science for <clears throat> more than thirty years, and even the textbooks, even from thirty years ago, basically defied the logic of what we're being told to do on a daily basis for for coronavirus. It makes zero sense. Well. I'm not going to make this sound creepy, but I think about you a lot. And I think, man, Nathan's got to be seeing what's going on and just besides himself. I mean, that's why he's wearing a cap today, folks. He used to have nice hair. He's pulling it out. We have to take a break. The stand at Paxton County illustrates another challenge that we have, and that is an animal ownership. It is on Netflix. Make sure you watch this movie, not because I'm in it, Nathan, but because it shows you what is happening to the challenge in animal ownership around the nation. And I know it's happening around the world, but in particular, we're talking about a situation that took place in Stark County, North Dakota. Don't let it happen to you. The stand at Paxton County on Netflix. We'll be back with more Dr. Nathan Bryan and uh, proper nitric oxide molecules, making sure we have no blood, no flow of ischemia. I already screwed it up. More after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Dr. Nathan Bryan coming to us from just outside of Brazos County, Texas. Uh, what do you mean? During the break, you said, I've seen the trailer. It's been on Netflix since May, and you have not watched my only Hollywood appearance? What's up with that? I didn't know it was live yet. All you sent me was the trailer. Oh, well, go to, you have Netflix in rural Texas? I think I do. Pretty sure. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know, then you might be in trouble. I don't watch much TV, Trent. Yeah, well, this is only an hour and 40 minutes of your life, so I think you should watch it. Okay, I will. Uh, The other thing that caught my attention this week is that uh, you were talking about how nitric oxide works at uh, not only building the immune system, but 
destroying the virus? Yeah. Is that, is that what I read? What, what's up with this? Well, you know, there were pub- publications back from 2005, mm-hmm. 50 years ago, showing that nitric oxide actually inhibits the coronavirus replication. So in this whole field of virology, you can interrupt viruses and infections at certain levels. Number one, you can prevent exposure, which is very hard to do because everybody's exposed to viruses every day. <clears throat> some people get sick, some people don't. The most effective way is that you let your immune system do its job. And so when you're exposed to a virus, the virus typically takes uh, uproot in your, you know, your nasal your sinuses and your epithelial cells. And then your immune system's job is to go and isolate that virus, generate mm-hmm. a lot of nitric oxide, prevent the virus from replicating, and prevent you from getting sick. And so if your body can't make nitric oxide, like those with high blood pressure, diabetes, heart failure, pulmonary disease, kidney disease, the patients who do the poorest, um, then the virus rapidly progresses. It makes you very sick. You're put in the hospital. You require a ventilator, and then you die. That's a very predictable sequence of events what we learned over 11 months since COVID hit. So it's really, well, that, it's a, it's a disease of nitric oxide deficiency is all COVID is. So, yeah. So that means that people that are at the proper level of nitric oxide, have they eliminated it or you're just greatly minimizing your impact? Well, I think, look, you can't, you can't eliminate exposure to any virus or bacteria. It's just the uh-huh. world that, but what happens is if you're healthy and your body can make enough nitric oxide, then you don't get sick. You don't get symptoms from the virus or even bacterial infections from then because your your immune system is robust. You're able to mobilize your immune system, take it to the site of infection, and your immune system kills kills the virus or the bacteria. And so you don't get sick. So, you know, I haven't really been sick in over 17 years. And I fly over 100,000 miles a year on an airplane going to all different parts of the world. And I don't get sick. It doesn't mean that I'm not exposed to some severe pathogens. It just means that my body's robust and um, I can nip it in the bud before it makes you sick. You modestly say that your body's robust. So that's that's good. I, I wouldn't want you to be braggadocious. Uh, I'm going to stray just a moment because Sharon has a question that is actually my favorite example because you have taught me so much and we haven't even gotten to the horse rolling over yet, but literally you've taught me so much and, and the uh, have taught me so much in the past 15 years. And the one example that I always use Sharon is asking us about here. And that is that, what is it that everybody, what's the first therapy that a heart patient that has had a cardiac situation, what's the first thing they tell them to do when they go home? Take, well, used- uh, take nitroglycerin, right? Right. Yeah. Which is nitrate, which had you had you been taking before the heart situation, you wouldn't be in that situation. That's correct. So those are called inorganic nitrates, uh, which is different than, or those are called organic nitrate, which is different than inorganic nitrate, which is found in green leafy vegetables. But the end result is the same. They mm-hmm. generate oxide, they dilate the coronary arteries, and you can perfuse the the myocardium and prevent the ischemic pain of angina. That's how those drugs work. It's all nitric oxide. And so the point is, don't rely on the drug. Get your nitric oxide level correct. Make sure you you don't have any no-flow ischemia, and (laughs) you won't be in that situation. That's right. It's It's easier to prevent disease than it is to treat it. 
And we should also add that it's not simply just about taking a supplement. It's a whole lifestyle choice. Yeah. No, like, including diet. That's right. It's diet and lifestyle. You've got to be active. You've got to get out and exercise and work. You've got to sweat. You've got to eat a good diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, society is programmed to where nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to exercise. Nobody wants to change their diet. They want a magic pill you can take. And unfortunately, there's no such thing as a magic pill that overcomes poor decisions as it relates to diet and lifestyle. Uh, one thing that I want to go back not to your robust body, but to the fact that uh, you and I talk a lot. And we, I know that in 2019, you were going to China frequently. And, and I'm just putting that into, co- you're, I'm putting that into context that when you travel, you're going places that have those possible immune challenges. And if your body's not ready, it's, it's going to be overwhelmed. That's right. In 2019, I went to China twice, Pakistan once, um, Europe a couple times. I was all over. Never got sick. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's probably enough of a testimonial right there. (laughs) Speaking of diet, and I see, I'm looking that I see I have four minutes left in this segment. So we're just going to open the can of worms and then come back to it in the second half of the conversation. But did you know that yesterday the USDA slash Health and Human Services released their dietary guidelines? Yeah. Did you puke? <laughs> Look, it's a joke. <clears throat> U.S. dietary guidelines have made people sick and <clears throat> obese and prone to chronic disease now for 40 years. But we just keep doing it. And and, and here's who's going to pay the price. This is my passion. Kids in schools who have to eat the junk that they are told they eat. They can't drink whole milk. They can't eat proper protein and proper fats. And the people who are most challenged... And those that are at the highest degree of risk in their immune system right now, the, the elderly that have some other condition going on, and now they're not allowed to be fed properly if they're in some institution because the government comes up with a, a path of continued starvation and depredation with their dietary guidelines. We have to fix this. Yeah, well, I think, look, I think if there's one thing we've learned, especially this year, is that uh, we probably shouldn't listen to the government as a source of good advice. Mm-hmm. And the dietary guidelines have been a you know laughing stock for nutritionists and dietitians and healthcare practitioners for years. We know that heart disease is not caused by fat and cholesterol. Sugar's the problem. Yet they denied the recommendation to reduce sugar intake. That's the problem. It's not fat. It's not protein. It's a carbohydrate-rich diet. It's high sugar. Um, that's the problem. That's the contributor to chronic disease. And yet they denied all the science, all the evidence uh, to lower the recommendations of sugar. But you know what? Nobody pays attention to that anyway. It's a, it's a joke. It's a laughing stock. America has the most money, spends more money per capita on health care, and we have the sickest population. And it all comes back to diet. You get sick for two reasons and two reasons only. Your body's missing something that it needs or it's exposed to something that it doesn't need. If you correct those two things, you can live a healthy life. Uh, Again, I repeat, I I know that it's a joke and I know that people don't pay attention, but in our institutions, they have no choice. I mean, you know, my Libby, she's a registered dietitian. She's in a health, two healthcare systems, a nursing home and a hospital formulating diets. And she's just frustrated at what she cannot do because they won't allow her to because it's not a government approved. And and the schools are the same way. 
at some point, somebody's got to stand up and say, we are making people sick by telling them through this, these choices instead of them making the choice. <clears throat> That's right. You know, I've said this before. If I wanted to make you sick and dependent upon mm-hmm. the current healthcare system, I would follow the dietary guidelines, eat a lot of grains, carbohydrates, limit uh, protein. I'd put you on a cholesterol-lowering medication, give you an antacid, and overprescribe antibiotics. Those four things right there will make you completely sick with chronic disease dependent upon the healthcare system. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I know you were in Pakistan and China and, and Zimbabwe and everywhere else. <laughs> you maybe lost track of this. That's what we're doing. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we're doing. And the data shows it. Chronic disease has escalated since 1967. It's time to take a stand and turn this around. Yeah, it's, it's time to get back to common sense and the real scientific evidence and not giving in to the pressure of big business. Uh, we did come to the lobbying part. I'm going to close the first half of this program lobbying at you as a cattleman. To get more information about being a part of the Certified Piedmontese Branded Beef Program, it's quite simple, actually. The Lone Creek Cattle Company system has established and identified Piedmontese genetics that work for the U.S. cattlemen. That means they calve easy, they grow well. Um, I'm not sure they are uh, they have the ability to be not stolen from your neighbors, like Dr. Brian has dealt with in the past year, but everything else they will do. They are cattle. You follow your system, your cows, and then you get paid $180 over market price for those calves. Steers and heifers, same price, by the way. There's no split between the steers and the heifers. If you're serious about the future of value-added beef and want to capture that value, go to LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Contact Marlon Will. He has full details. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Route. And I think we're going to talk about cholesterol when we get back more after this. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Loose alongside, not often enough, but reoccurring guest, Dr. Nathan Bryant. It's been a while since you've taken the time to join me. It's been a while since I've been invited. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We're here now. We're closing out the year proper. That's all that really matters. And you look so dapper in your robust body with that loose tails cap. Right. <clears throat> you got to represent. Is there... Anything in human health that is more misunderstood than the importance of cholesterol? Now, look, I think we've, again, we've been taken on a 30-year ride about cholesterol being an enemy and, you know, causing heart disease and trying to get your cholesterol levels down with medication. And cholesterol is absolutely essential. In fact, it's so essential our body makes it. That if you don't get enough from your diet, your body makes it unless you're on some cholesterol um, medication to, to prevent your body from making it. You need cholesterol to make hormones, testosterone, estrogen, vitamin D. And it doesn't take long to review the scientific literature to realize that most Americans are deficient in vitamin D. You've got a pandemic of low testosterone, young men, old men walking around with low T, women with huge hormone-related issues. And if you don't have cholesterol, cholesterol is the backbone to hormones and vitamin D. And doctors want to put you, the first thing they want to do on is, is put you on a cholesterol-lowering medication, which is the absolute worst thing they can do for your, for your health. Let's just revisit that because we know in the, in the current situation with COVID-19, 
excluding the new variant that the governor of Colorado was talking about. But we know that the seniors in our population are most vulnerable, right? Everybody knows that. The number of seniors in the population that are on some statin or cholesterol-reducing drug is overwhelming. You probably know the statistics, and when I get done with my little scenario, you can share those. But they, we reduce, we restrict, we tie up cholesterol. Cholesterol, what you just said, is a precursor to vitamin D. You cannot make vitamin D if you don't have the proper level of cholesterol. So by tying up the cholesterol, preventing the vitamin D, you're automatically putting your immune system in a deficit and not giving it the ability to fight off a virus like COVID-19. Exactly right. The evidence is very clear that people who are vitamin D deficient are more prone to infection and the rapid progression of disease. Um, Why are you vitamin D deficient? In fact, the standard of care now in most hospitals and ERs is you give a little vitamin D and that Mm -hmm. seems a little better. So it's very clear. And, you know, it's not just the older population. It's it's people with underlying conditions of nitric oxide deficiency, those with high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, Those are the ones who do the poorest. In fact, we've got a drug trial now in the phase three clinical trials, utilizing our nitric oxide technology as a drug, not as a supplement, but as an FDA cleared drug They're in clinical trials to prevent the rapid progression of disease. And we're doing this study in African-Americans because you want to talk about a vulnerable and susceptible population. The African-Americans make up 13% of the U.S. population, but they're responsible for almost 50% of the deaths due to COVID. So our objective really? We, and and it, there's a clear understanding now of the health disparities in African-Americans is because they can't make nitric oxide. Now, that explains the reason they do so poorly when they're infected with COVID. So mm-hmm. it's our objective to actually get these patients early on within 72 hours of a positive test, implement therapy, follow them for 30 days and look at the rates of hospitalization, ventilation and death. So that to me is the answer because it makes sense biochemically, epidemiologically, physiologically, everything we know about COVID, we should be able to address with a nitric oxide based therapy. And I can tell you vaccines are not the answer. Therapies are the answer. Uh, I'm intrigued. And I know that you're, you're a medical doctor and you are research based and you're, you're going to be reluctant to talk about theories, but I did not know that African-American descent was uh, less likely to make nitric oxide. Yes, why is that? Why, why do you think that is? Well, it was natural selection back hundreds of years ago when they selected for slaves from Africa to mm-hmm. bring them to the West was they, they selected naturally uh, so-called salty uh, slaves. They were the ones who mm-hmm. survived the voyage. And so it's the African-Americans, the descendants from those that have salt sensitive hypertension. Uh, so there's a both a genetic factor. There's a condition called glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency or G6PD deficiency. They have another genetic uh, predisposition called NADPH oxidase overexpression. So they generate more oxidative stress, which uh, lowers their nitric oxide levels. So everything that we, everything from the health disparities of African-Americans, even outside of COVID, you know, African-Americans have about, you know, two to three times higher uh, incidence of high blood pressure, you know, higher incidence of certain types of cancers, heart disease, kidney disease, diabetes. All that can be explained by lack of nitric oxide. And it's that exact same population 
that does so poorly when they get exposed to COVID. Within three to five days of exposure, they're hospitalized. They do very poorly. Uh, within another three to five days, they're put on a ventilator because their oxygen levels drop. And once you're put on a ventilator, the prognosis is very poor. And many people will expire within 10 to 12 days. So it's our objective to start the therapy early, mild or asymptomatic patients, start the nitric oxide therapy and see if we can't prevent the rapid progression of disease, hospitalization, ventilation, mm -hmm. and death. And we got an FDA, we got an investigational new drug application cleared by the FDA. We we've started this trial several months ago, uh, and I hope to have the trial finished um, by first quarter of 2021. And, and it's not just in the United States, because in the past couple of weeks, I, I've noticed that there's um, a, a lot of, e of evidence coming out about South Africa. And the COVID is running rampant in South Africa as well. Yeah, look, it's a global pandemic. I mean, if you've got a virus, and I have my own theories about we won't get into that, but, uh, you know, it's a global problem. Um, but here's here's what we know. If you're healthy, you get over it just like <clears throat> any other disease. If you're right. not healthy, then you're going to do very poorly. So the most important thing people can do in 2021 is take care of their health. Are you saying that that theory will have to be discussed over a 16-ounce rare ribeye and a glass of whiskey? That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm just keeping everything in perspective. Well, I mean, you just put a whole um, a reality check into the vaccine because I, I see people thinking that I'm going to get this vaccination and boom, everything will be back to normal. No, everything is going to be back to normal. Yeah, allow me to put you on the spot because you're always educating me about these words that I can't even repeat, let alone say, but you've been very educational for me. I'm going to put you on the spot for one thing. The human body is made up of how many viruses? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're exposed to hundreds, if not thousands of viruses every day of our life. Same thing with bacteria. It's just the world that we live in. 380 trillion. It's a lots of big number. I want to know who counted them. Yeah, look, if vaccines worked, then flu would go away. I mean, and still today we have tens of thousands of people that die. Well, probably not in 2020, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but previously hundreds of thousands of people would get the flu. Tens of thousands of people would die. And there's a vaccine every year. So it, it's not affecting. I mean, you, it's, it's difficult to predict how many would suffer and die without a vaccine. Um, but it's a crapshoot. You know, they're, they're basically picking which strain is going to be prevalent when they make the vaccine earlier in the year and then try to vaccinate people against that. And the most concerning thing to me, Trent, is this isn't your grandfather's vaccine where they used to take some inactivated strain of polio or smallpox and, you know, inject it in the body and let your body develop an right. antibody response to it. This is 100% genetic manipulation of taking a certain sequence of RNA and injecting it into your body. And to me, and look, I've read the literature, there's just not enough data out there to, number one, show efficacy, and number two, to know what the long-term ramifications are of injecting you know, viral messenger RNA into a human being. We've got a Vietnam veteran, one that is a good friend and has a great question, L. Wayne Johnson. The question is, do the good doctors recommend nitric oxide supplements? Yeah, look, I mean, but I have a, a, a huge conflict of interest. I have over two dozen issued patents. I have products on the market. So, and these, these are safe and effective, clinically proven in multiple peer-reviewed published clinical trials. 
And I just think it makes sense, you know, because I take a lot of supplements because the food we eat, the vegetables we eat, you know, are deficient in things like chromium and selenium and vitamin A. So it's almost like you have to supplement to get the nutrients that you need for your body to perform optimally. And so I think it's, it's the same thing with nitric oxide. We're bombarded every day with things that shut down nitric oxide production. And so it's just, to me, it makes good sense to supplement to make sure that your body has what it needs to do its job. Uh, as a side note, because I read a, a course of on um, this day in history, uh, because L. Wayne asked that question, it was on this day in 1973 that Richard Nixon called for the end of the Vietnam War, by the way. Kind of fortuitous that we, yeah, we would have that happening here now. Well, the overall problem with Wayne's question is that most people don't go talk to a doctor until they're in a situation where they need some help. So nobody goes to the doctor to say, and this quite frankly is the biggest change in my lifetime in the veterinarian profession. And I still say veterinarians are more on top of these, uh, particularly viruses and contagious diseases than the medical doctors, because they've been dealing with them on millions of animals for their every year in their practice. And the biggest change in veterinary care has been that now veterinarians are hired to give a preventative strategy instead of just waiting for a wreck. They're not asked as much to come and treat as they are to set our protocols for what we need to do to minimize the immune challenges on this set of pigs, chickens, cattle, whatever the case may be. If we could get, if we could get you to write that syllabus, so to speak, for the medical profession and do that with humans, we'd be a lot farther down the road. Yeah, look, I completely agree. We have to be proactive instead of reactive. And unfortunately, the practice of medicine today is all reactive. People don't go to the doctor until they get sick. And I agree with you. I have a lot of respect for veterinarians because their patients can't tell them what's wrong. They mm-hmm. actually have to pay attention <laughs> and figure right. Where does it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> We have to take a break. We are talking about the future of uh, better health and Neogen is working on the genomic side of animals and increasing, you know, we're also identifying alleles and genetic markers for better uh, disease resistance. Maybe that's where we're headed in the whole ball of wax. But I know where Neogen is at right now because we send in tissue samples from all of our boars. We send in tissue samples from every calf we produce because we want to know what's going on with their DNA fingerprint. It is genomics. That's the future. Maybe someday you actually you're out in a bar looking for a wife. You'll have to get a DNA profile before you say, yes, this is going to work. We'll get married. I don't know. The animal world's making it happen. Neogen.com. We'll be back with the last segment of Roll Route. Two days left. Day and tomorrow in 2020. More after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Dr. Nathan Bryan. He's not alongside. I wish he was at the Surrey restaurant. But, you know, one day. Can't get there every day. Right. Beets. You... um, you you tried your trying your hand at growing beets. Why and how's that working for you? Well, Trent, you know, years ago we 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 tried to commercialize some of my discoveries, and you know, very few people knew what nitric oxide was. Thanks to you, though, we were getting people uh, educated. And then the 2012 Olympic Games rolled around, and everybody was drinking beetroot juice and 
having their personal best records in the Olympics. And then they attributed to those beads, drinking those beads to an enhancement of production of nitric oxide. So then the epiphany for me was we can make, we can make beads that are enriched in nitric oxide. So that's exactly what we did. Um, I guess probably eight or nine years ago yeah. now in a, a so-called super beet uh, that when you consume it, it's metabolized into nitric oxide and you get the benefits of nitric oxide. But, you know, not all beets are created equal. 95% of the beet products out there don't work. Well, I shouldn't say they don't work. They, they'll turn your pee and poop uh, pink and red, but they don't. <laughs> they create anxiety for a lot of people. Um, but there's no nitric oxide activity whatsoever. In fact, we use a lot of these beet products as placebos in our clinical trials. So beets are good, but you have to have the right beet in order to maximize the nitric oxide activity. And that's what we've perfected over the past eight or nine years. And there's a component of that that I want to get to because you referenced it when you were talking about taking supplements yourself. Soil types, available nutrients and micronutrients in the soil. I mean, I I know livestock producers today that are not just buying grain to feed their livestock. They're actually setting parameters on what is going to be done to soil health so that the grain they buy has the available nutrition that can be utilized by the animal. And you're doing that with the beets, and, and you talked about the, uh, the the reduction of available nutrients in all food substances. Soil health will continue to be part of the equation for human health. That's right. It really, you know, there's a whole field of agronomy that mm-hmm. basically addresses that, and it all comes down to nitrogen. And you know, organically grown vegetables, there's a big push, but you know, the the limitations of adding nitrogen to the soil makes organically grown vegetables deficient in many nutrients. If you can't assimilate nitrogen, you can't assimilate things like chromium and selenium and vitamin A. And so you need nitrogen in the soil in order to optimize the growth of those vegetables, the nutrient assimilation. Um, so that's, that's a big problem uh, with organically grown vegetables because of the limitations of nitrogen in the soil. Uh, you know, a lot of pit- a lot of people put some organic matter, some, you know, some pig poop on Farms. I was just in Iowa, and you know, you, you drive around to the soybean farms and the cornfields, and you smell, and you got these hog farms everywhere, and you know they're maximizing their production. They're taking the waste, adding it to their uh, cornfields to optimize the production of that particular crop. Did you get a deer? I did not. I saw lots of big deer, but no wall hang. Twelve million white-tailed bucks in Iowa, and you couldn't get one of them. Well, I wasn't there just to shoot a deer. I wanted a trophy deer. <laughs> You're the problem. You're the problem. Uh, but, and again, I want to come back to this week. I had a fantastic conversation, and the only cheesemaker in the state of Nebraska, he's a cheese at Brainerd, Nebraska, and he actually has a label approved for omega-3 enhanced cheese. And he's not getting the additional omega-3 in the cheese directly he's feeding flaxseed to the cows and increasing the available omega-3 in the milk, which ultimately is coming through in the cheese. It just makes sense, Nathan. That's more of what we need to do for all of human health and all of planet health, to be quite frank. No, I agree. Look, sometimes we lose common sense is not so common. You cannot get, get away from the basics of nature, the fundamentals of nature, the fundamentals of physiology. 
There's no way around it. We were perfectly designed creatures, and when we deviate from that, bad things happen. You just gave me a whole thought. Uh, we we designed the human body perfect. We didn't. God designed the human body perfectly, and then it, it, he leaves it up to us to screw it up. <laughs> That's right. Most people do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. And and I was going to say the baby is born perfect and then your choice, but that's not even right because one of my, my, the only guy that I know that's smarter than you, uh, Dr. Fred Matson taught me a long time ago in feeding animals <clears throat> that what you do to that mother and the womb effect is going to have everything to do with metabolism and health of that infant when it's growing later in life. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on making sure that pregnant mother, you should be on a campaign to make sure every pregnant mother has the right level of nitric oxide or your baby's going to have a challenge every day. Yeah, that, the evidence is clear on that. I mean, it's certainly the, the health of the mother, whether they breastfeed or not, whether they're vaginally delivered or cesarean delivered, whether they're inoculated with the bacteria, um, all of that is very well described and validated in the, in the medical literature. I have to share this story with you because number one, I have a few minutes and I just, I think it'll be right up your alley. So, you know, the big trend today in the pig business is that people hire um, maternity assistants. They have, there are usually they're females, young ladies working in farrowing barns. And when that pig is born, they're right there. They give it love and care, much like you do a baby. They maybe even dry it off. Some people have got a rub that they put on that pig just to get it warmed up, get it chill or get it, keep it from prevent it from chilling. And then they'll take it to the udder. They'll put it in and get a tit and get it started. And they save pigs by doing that. Yeah. And I was in a meeting where this researcher who has spent her entire life studying the biome of a pig. And she told this room for, I had 80%. This is a meeting I spoke at and I was in attendance. So I was sitting through this. She had about 80% of the U S pork production in that room. And she said that if you do anything to disrupt the pig from a, a vaginal birth to where it, it gains its coordination and starts nuzzling and looking for that teat for the first plate of nutrition, you have just disrupted the first uh, natural biome inoculation. In other words, all of the, the fecal matter, all of the dirt that they're ingesting while they're trying to get worked around over there. And meanwhile, you've just sterilized this pig and eliminated that first left. This room full of people who hire individuals to to baby these pigs, literally, was just like, what are we doing? You've been doing it wrong. And, and people just don't understand that, don't understand the biome, don't understand that ingesting natural substances is how you build your healthy body. That's exactly right. Yeah, so there's a clear health disparity now between vaginally delivered babies and cesarean delivered babies, breastfed babies versus formula-fed babies. I mean, it's night and day. Vaginally delivered breastfed babies are healthier throughout their entire life. Cesarean non-breastfed babies have health problems that last throughout their entire life. Yeah. Well, I know you just garnered the attention of somebody in my house because we had three C-section daughters that were breastfed. But what, in a nutshell, what is the advantage of the vaginal birth? Probably well, similar to that pig. Yeah, it's exactly. It's the inoculation through the vaginal canal. I mean, it's, it's the first entry into the outside world. And so during that transit, 
you're exposed to different bacteria and, and microbiome that's ingested and both through the nose and through the mouth and even some fecal matter. Most women will, will defecate during birth because of the pressure. And so all of that, that transit is basically your first exposure to the outside world and you become inoculated. I can't wait until you're speaking to 6,000 medical doctors and you explain the biome benefit of vaginal birth in the human population and you use the example of what pig farmers are doing and how they learned that was wrong. I, I want to be there when you do that. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. We'll go on tour. All right. Um, well, yeah, we're way short on getting a tour and I didn't even get to see it in NFR this year. So, all right. In closing, we have two minutes. There's a lot of stuff happening right now. What, what is the best take-home message for folks to remember in our final two minutes? Well, I, look, I think we can't be controlled by fear. I think we have to use common sense in this new COVID world. Um, the best medicine is to maintain you know, optimal health. Uh, get exercise. Eat a good, clean diet. Keep your nitric oxide levels up. And you know, limit your exposure. Um, you know, I don't think we should, we should isolate and quarantine. There are very susceptible people out there that are vulnerable to COVID. Uh, most people are, don't get it. And those that do, most of them recover, um, fine. Uh, but we have to protect the vulnerable. And, you know, I think I feel very confident in our, our drug candidate on providing a safe and effective therapy for COVID for those at-risk populations. How soon will you have um, research results that are published and we can go forward with about your therapeutic use for Neo40 or nitric oxide? Well, we have, we got approved for 840 patients. uh, And I'm projecting that with the increased rate of COVID cases during these winter months, that we, and we've got five centers across the U.S. We've got Chicago, Houston, Jackson, Mississippi, Augusta, Georgia, and one in uh, Lakeland, Florida. I think between those five centers, we should be able to enroll all 840 patients. I hope by the end of February, by the end of March, we'll have completed the study and hope to have all the data compiled, the papers submitted for publication, the drug application filed in second quarter of 2021. Uh, Final thing, you have a blog with a lot of the information that you shared here today. You're, You're pretty good at disseminating information via the internet. Where do people go to maybe they have additional questions or watch other videos? Well, you can go to Dr. Nathan S. Uh, com. I have videos on there. I have a YouTube channel. Um, for our COVID study, you can go to www.aacovidstudy.com. That's African-American COVID study.com. aacovidstudy.com. Com. We've got a lot of videos on there that will educate you on the etiology of coronavirus infection um, and kind of our rationale, scientific rationale for developing safe and effective therapeutics. And so if you're African-American over the 50 to 85 with at least one comorbidity, uh, we encourage you to, to sign up and enroll in our clinical trial. We do remote monitoring. We send you home with a pulse oximeter. We can monitor your progress remotely. Um, and so you're not in this alone. And we'll call you you know, three or four times a week to check on you and make sure you're not alone in this process. Uh, it's Dr. Nathan Bryan coming to us from rural Texas, where now the sun is actually up and he can get to work. Literally, folks, the global authority on nitric oxide and healthy living. And he has shown you why right here on the second to the last day of 2020. See, 
There's a silver lining in the storm this year. We end it with the right information. Both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rollout. Just a quick reminder, I suggest you get more information about the certified Piedmontese system at LoneCreekCattleCo.com, utilizing the technology made possible by Neogen at Neogen.com. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.